Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! In general, is faith foolish? Now, you're probably thinking, uh, well, it depends on what you put your faith in, right? And, but I want to give you some examples that I, I think, in a way, it shows that it doesn't really matter. Most of us don't really think that way. Because when you drove in here today, for example, most of you, I assume, drove, not a lot walked or rode a bike, but when you're driving on the road, you're putting a lot of faith in that little yellow line between you and another vehicle rushing toward you at maybe 50 miles an hour. Not only are you putting your faith in that line, but you're putting in your faith in the person on the other side of it, that they understand that that means that they have to stay on their side, even if they're paying taxes for all of it, right? And your side, this is my side, right? But we do that. And most of you probably put a lot of faith in that little brake pedal this morning, didn't you? You assumed that when you press it, it's going to make your car go slower, right? We just, we don't even think about that. We just jump in our cars, we crank it up, and we just head off. Not many people are doing a 360-pointer check on their vehicle before they left, you know, looking under it, double-tapping the brakes a couple times, like, yep, we're good to go. No. You crank it up, you hope it works, and then you're off, right? And then you're just full of faith, right? You're just full of faith as you're driving. Or when you came in here. So you get to church this morning, y'all came in, and eventually, y'all did what? You plopped down on these seats here, full of faith, man. You were exercising faith, thinking, when I sit all the way down, and gravity takes control, and there's no turning back. When I sit down, I'm not going to be embarrassed when the thing crashes to the ground with me, right? There's a lot of faith in that, right? Because guess who does not check the chairs before every service? Quaybog Church does not check the chairs before every service, right? So, faith all the time. When you go out to eat, now you're taking your life into your hands, right? Saying where you go, right? For those of us that are like, you can get pretty good sushi at Cumbies. Right? Taking your life in your hands. But we do that constantly. You have no idea who's back there, but for the most part, hey, you're trusting them. Right? They bring it out. Hey, that looks good, and I'm sure it's not been on the floor. Right? I'm serious, right? There's like, we do that. And for the most part, obviously those things aren't happening, but you have to, you have, to have faith that it's not. Right? Or relationships. Or banking. Hey, can you hang on to all my money and try not to lose it or steal it? Right? That's a major faith thing that we do. So, here's the point and why I went so far into this point. is because most of us would say, well, you need to make sure you're putting your faith in the right thing. But we have no idea of any of the things that I've mentioned, which is like five things. No idea if those things are actually worth our trust and our faith or not. But we do it unblinkingly. We don't even think about most of those things that we put our faith in. But we do. So the premise I want to kind of wrestle with this morning is then is like faith in God. Like that idea is that foolishness than to put our faith in God. Because well, here's what we know, I know we do because I do the same thing. Well, I just need a little bit of evidence, right? I, I don't want to just be a, you know blind faith. I need I need to at least see something. I'm, I, you know that's the kind of person I am. And I'm like I, I get it, and I'm like that a little bit too. But why do we raise the bar so much higher for God? Then we do a brake pedal, right? Or a double yellow line. 
or going out to eat or banks or a billion other things in our life that we just unthinkingly put our faith in. So, what I'd like to look at this morning is a story of Abram, not Abraham yet. So he's, he's introduced to our, us as Abram. And that's important because his name actually means something. Biblical names carry a lot of weight. And so his name isn't changed yet to Abraham, who we all know. But right now he's going to be Abram. And this is a guy that, uh, for all intents and purposes, is known most for his faith. Right? So can I put my trust in God is a, a great question to be asking this morning. It's a great question in general because it's a tough one to wrestle with. Right? And what we see here is not just his faith, though, but, but God's side of it, too. God's side of it, too, is important. So this journey with Abraham takes a long time because he takes up a ton of ink in the Bible. He looms large almost every, over almost every story in the Bible. There's so much that's connected back to him, and it all begins here in Genesis chapter 12. So getting to know him, I think is, there's a lot of value in that. So what we see in the early chapters of Genesis, and then especially in his life, is this idea I've been asking you to think about on and off throughout the second part of Genesis. And it's this. Every little choice you make has impact, right? So your life is a sum of all those millions of little choices that you're going to make every single day. And every single day is an opportunity to start in a different direction. This is not a shame statement. This is a let's think more intentionally about the choices that we're making with our family, with work, with our attitude, how we look at ourselves, what we put in our bodies, what we put in our minds, all the above, all that stuff. It all becomes part of who we are, right? And that is what you see big time happening here. And then I have, based on that and kind of on the story of Abram today, I have this kind of risky premise that I want us to think about as well. And it's this. One small step of faith can lead to one giant blessing from God. Now, that can be, you can seem like a little maybe incredulous at that statement. Like, I don't know, that's easy to say from the stage, but in real life, how does that look? Well, I say this because I've lived this out. My wife, Brittany, and I have lived out these choices that we've had to make that weren't always easy, that brought hardship intentionally into our lives because we really felt, okay, this is what God is wanting us to do, right? And, and I know a lot of you have as well. And hearing your stories helps me understand the truth of this statement. But it's not an easy statement. And it's not just a pithy statement either. It's just like, oh, yeah, we're just trying to throw these sentences out there. No, like a little act of my own faith, I've watched God do unbelievable things that I never even imagined, right? Whether it's releasing anxiety or fear or anger, addictions, right? Like things I've seen in my own life, things I've seen in other people's lives. It's really, really cool to see when somebody finally takes that first step to release the anger, to release the unforgiveness. Man, like what God does with that is just really, really cool. Now, I got this because I was thinking about another statement, another jumping-off point for humanity, because that's what Abraham's story is, or at this point, Abram's story is. So I want you to listen to this recording. Very famous. Most of you will probably pick it up, because it sounds a lot like this thing anyway. So let's listen to this. Uh, very, very fine grain as you get close to it. It's almost like a powder down there. Uh, it's very fine. Time to off the lamb. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I look beautiful for real. The scene here is one that's probably pretty familiar to us. Uh, some people may have been around to actually see that. I was not. But it's something that really still shakes me because I remember growing up seeing the video and hearing the recording and being taught, like, this is a major stepping off point for humanity. 
not just a country, not just for some people, but for all of us because of what that would bring. And again, very similar to what Abram's going to do this morning. And I don't want us to miss how these verses in chapter 12 shape the rest of the Bible. Certainly, everything is built in the first five books of the Bible off of the verses that we read today, but nothing in the rest of the Bible happens if God is not faithful to what is about to happen in Genesis chapter 12. It is not going to happen if Abram is not faithful to actually go and do what God says he should go and do. So, again, the applicability for my own life is very real and very heavy. What is God going to do in my life if I'm just willing to take steps forward? And this is not, I want to caution you, because somebody actually asked me after, after first service. This is not to say, like I think Benjamin Franklin said, God helps those who help themselves. That's not a biblical idea. That's like, that puts the onus on you to always have to be doing and earning, and then, then God will meet you. Sometimes God is just going to, he's like, wow, you are a train wreck, but I'm going to help you anyway. Right? You're doing nothing to better your situation, but because I'm good and I love you, I'm going to provide you a way out of this. Right? Sometimes God does do that. So sorry, Ben. He's not 100% right on that. But you see a flavor of that in Abram this morning. Because in order for the blessing to happen, he had to do something. So look at your own life. Is there any little steps of faith that you need to take to finally release something, to finally find healing, to finally get answers to something? I don't know what your story is. There's a lot of different stories that come up our stairs and tune in on, online. But think about that. Like, why would God bring this story forward? Why would he tell us this? Why for 4,000 years have we been repeating these stories? 4,000 years have we been repeating this guy's story. He influences Islam, Christianity, Judaism. All trace your spiritual lineage back to this guy and what's about to happen in Genesis chapter 12. Lose large over world history, not just biblical history, right? So let's jump in and, and see him. His contrast to Babel. Babel was last Sunday. They wouldn't do it. Abraham's going to do it. So let's jump in our, our sermon today. When God leads you into the unknown. So Abraham is what I titled it. But of course, Abram is where we are. So let me explain that really quickly. I want to introduce Abram to you because we're going to be looking at him. We're going to jump into a different series next Sunday to take a break called Resilient. How to find, how to restore your soul in these weary times which is really good. That's why we're saying who's your one. Who can you bring to that series? But when we pick back up, Abraham's going to take a lot of time because he's a huge character in Genesis. But right now, he's Abram. So what's up with that? So his name is Abram, which at that time in that culture would have been Exalted Father. Why was his name Exalted Father? Well, because his parents were pagan earth worshippers. So this would have been referring to either the moon or the sun because that's what they worship, right? That's who they worship. Now, this is also painful because you can imagine if God says, hey, I'm going to give you kids when you're 75 years old, which is ha-ha-ha, as it is, and then you have to wait 25 years for the promise to be fulfilled with a name, Exalted Father. There's kind of a sting there, right? For a quarter of a decade or a quarter of a century, you've got to hang on to this name and he's father, Exalted Father. But in Genesis chapter 17... Abraham is then introduced. God changes his name, and whenever that happens in the Bible, it's super significant. Names carry a lot of weight in the Bible. That means father of many, and that's the name that most of us know him by, because he is, of course, the, the, the father, the ancestor like, of ancestors of the Jewish people, and like I said, even with Islam and even with Christianity. So, we have these name changes that are important. He lived in a place called Ur, uh, which we'll show a map here in a little bit, but he lived in around 2000 B.C., this is a good thing for us because there's not many times in history in the ancient world that we have so much information from. 
archaeology and all the things that we've dug up. We know the world that we li- he lived in. We know the culture, what they thought about, what they wrote, what they drew. We know what kings were like. We know a lot about that time back then because we just keep digging up all this stuff up out of the dirt, and it just keeps pointing to the reality of what we're going to read and the truth of this historical context that we find Abram in. All right? But he's rich, he's prosperous, he's settled, um, but he's definitely not a follower of God. So when you look at Abram, you need to understand this is a dude that was not an all-in follower of God. Because matter of fact, 500 years later, they're still talking about him in the book of Joshua, and this is what they would say. They would say, he worshipped other gods. So clearly, he, just, he wasn't following God, which is another fascinating part of his story, right? That God stepped into his story, and he trusts a God he doesn't even really know. Now, he's also a patriarch, right? This is, and this is a big deal. Again, everybody traces back through Abraham. So you got Abraham, his son Isaac, his son Jacob, and then honorable mention, a little bit later, you have Joseph and all that he would do for uh, the nation of Israel as well, right? And so these, he's the beginning of a path forward that we're going to see today. Now, fast forward to the New Testament, because I always like to show how the Old Testament and the New Testament fit together, right? The two parts of the Bible. How do they, before Jesus and then after Jesus, how does that all plug in together? So in the New Testament, he's called a friend of God because of his faith. Just like with Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, we become a child of God. Our relationship status changes with God, and it did with him as well, but because of his faith. And then, this is what the Apostle Paul would say about us now getting to connect with Abraham. So, this is what Abraham's faith was all about. This is where it pointed. He said, now, the Scriptures saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles. So, that's all of us. That's non-Jews. We'd all be justified by faith and proclaimed the gospel ahead of time to Abraham. So God is speaking to Abraham about Jesus Christ. So what we're going to read today has far-reaching consequences, right? The New Testament, everything else, is all based on this Genesis 12 stuff. So it goes on, and he says, saying that all the nations will be blessed through you. He's quoting what we're about to read. As a result, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham, who also had faith. Right? He is the example for us. And what happened to him is something that we can take hold of as well. So, I don't know about you, but I, I, it helps me to sometimes think, like, where are things happening um, that, you know, they're talking about? There's a lot of names and places in the Old Testament. Basically, this is what we got. This is the first leg of his journey, right? You got the Mediterranean Sea on the left. You've got the Persian Gulf on the bottom right. You've got Iraq. It's cutting a line right through Iraq, basically into to the northwest there. And he's going to go from Ur to Haran. That's the first leg of Abram's journey. And we don't know much about that, only that he was called out of Ur, right? But I just, when I was younger, I never understood any of this stuff. Like, where do you start? Was it Haran? Was it Ur? What's going on? Well, it's both. And then we see that in Genesis 11. So Terah, his father, took Abram and his grandson Lot. Lot had to come with him because Lot's dad was dead by now. And his daughter-in-law, Sarai, who would eventually become Sarah, his son Abram's wife. And they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, which is like the second leg of the journey, that's south. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. So Haran had to, or uh, Terah had to have some faith too. All right, so that's how they get to where we are. So we are in Tehran, which is, or, uh, Haran, which is up in the north, just to try to like orient where we are. All right, and so then that's where the story begins. So let's jump into the story here. So verses uh, 1 through 3 of the call, verses 4 through 9 is how he responds to that. So again, this is good for us. How do we respond when God puts an opportunity before us? So verse 1, Yahweh said to Abram, Go from your land, one, go from your relatives, two, and go from your father's house to the land 
that I will show you. So go to the critical part. There's all kinds of cool things we can pull out of a lot of these verses. One of the big ones is that he actually responds. And in the Bible, people are always on the move. Like, our faith should be a very active one. So if you say you're a Christian today, or if you're interested in Christianity, that's a very outward thing. It's why Jesus says get baptized once you get saved, because it's immediately a, an act of obedience that's outward. I'm going to go and tell people about this. All across the Bible, you see people having faith and then going and do something about it. Christianity is not just about what you know about God. It's like, okay, what do you do with that knowledge? How is that changing your life? How are you a better employer? How are you a better employee? How are you a better worker? How are you a better friend? How are you a better husband? Right? Wife, kid, students. I mean, we have a lot of different areas in our life. And it's like that should affect the way that we are. You know, being forgiving, standing up for what's right. All those things. He says, go. And this is a very famous theme from all the Bible. Because it's one of action. And it's all-encompassing. I think this is interesting. It's like a cultural thing that we in the West don't understand. So he ends with your father's house. That was the all-defining thing in their world. Because I would have been Kyle, son of Gary, right? I'm identified by the connection to my father's house. I'm identified by my family. That's who I am, right, in that world. And so when he says, you need to leave your father's house, that is the foundational building block to that world. So he is essentially telling him to leave your nation, to leave all of your family, and to leave the most sacred thing that you have in your life, your father's house. So what do we have here? Not only is it an active outward thing, we, need to, we do need to listen, we do need to go, but we need to understand, if, again, if you're a Christian, that your allegiance cannot be to your nation first, right? Christian nationalism is not a thing in Jesus' world. Your allegiance goes to the Lamb of God, not to an elephant and not to a donkey, right? Your allegiance is not to your nation. First and foremost, it is to your Savior, Jesus. Like, that's what we need to understand. And you see him drawing this line in Abram's life. You see Jesus drawing this line in the New Testament. Like, where is our allegiance, man? Your faith cannot be in your government. It has to be in your Savior. And I don't know if you've ever tried to put your faith in your government before. It's not going to work out. Right? Spoiler alert. So then he moves on. He says, I will. Here's the things I'm going to do. This is a foundational, like, incredibly important verse. I will make you into a great nation, one. Two, I will bless you. And three, I will make your name great. All so that you will be a blessing. This threefold promise here, great nation, bless you, great name. That right there forms the entire first five books of the Old Testament. Right there, the Pentateuch is this actually happening. Like, nothing else goes down in the Bible unless God actually makes this happen. So this is where I see God screaming at us almost. Can you put your faith in God? Is it foolish? I have given you, here's what I feel like God is saying, I have given you proof positive that yes, in fact, you can. Because the nation of Israel is a historical reality. This is not some fairy tale about Narnia. Right? This is a historical reality that actually happened. And God's saying, look, Unless I make this happen, you can't trust me. I'm promising right now, right here, that something very real is going to happen. And the nation of Israel, Israel still exists to this day. As persecuted and as scattered as it has been over the years, somehow it is still a nation. Somehow there's still a Jewish identity. As secular as it might be, they're still his people. And so he's going to do all these things so that he can be a blessing. So that Abram and his family can be a blessing. And the sad thing, though, is that Abram's never going to see this. When I read that, when I thought about that, 
this, this promise is going to come to fruition after his life. And I just wonder, how am I impacting the people in my life? All of you. My wife. My kids. How am I impacting the people in ways that maybe I'll never know? Like, do you think that way? And do you think about your impact that maybe you'll never ever see in your kids? Because your kids, I'm guessing, if you've got kids, they're not coming up every morning and being like, hey, I just I want to let you know you're doing a bang-up job. You know, I've been thinking about it, and wow. You know, uh, and like most of us just spend our time worrying, like I hope they're not going to have to go through too much counseling when they're adults, right? Like I, I just hope I'm not wrecking this thing. But at the same time, it's like I really want to be intentional with the time I have with the people that I have. Right? Because I don't know how it's going to affect them one way or the other. So this is something that, you know, he never gets to actually see the full fruition of that promise. So, you know, he's going to make a nation. He's going to bless them materially, which he does. He's going to make a great name for him. But the question is, why does he do that? Why does he bless you? So you can hoard the blessings, right? So you can be selfish. Yeah. No! Obviously not, right? People are like, wow, this guy's an idiot. No. No. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. When we did Financial Peace University, and if you haven't done that yet, we are, like, right now we're looking to put that together and make that happen. But man, Financial Peace University was unbelievable. It was so cool to see how that affected some people. Some people made drastic changes in their life because they realized they've been, they've been buying this lie that says they need this, they need that, they need the status of that house or that job or that car or whatever. And what Financial Peace University does is that, hey, let's like really think about what we actually need. Let's live well below our means so that we can bless other people. Because that's what Christianity is supposed to be. Like the hallmark of the early church is just how generous it was, right? So we're not meant to hoard. We're meant to take those blessings and then be a blessing, whether it be financial, whether it be experience, whether it just be a note, right? Like I'm just going to bless people. That's the way I want to live my life. And that's what he's telling Abram right here. Like, just so we're clear, that's the line. Then verse 3. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. Well, why? that sounds harsh. Why would he do that? Well, because he's going to protect the promise. Because again, if the Apostle Paul in the New Testament is right, the promise is about Jesus Christ. I'm going to bless the whole world to you, Abram. This line that you're going to start in the nation of Israel is one day going to result in the Messiah Jesus Christ. And that's for the whole world, Abram. And you'll never even see it. But that's the, por- that's the point. So that's what Paul is trying to draw out. His faith, that promise, led to Jesus Christ. So he's going to protect that line. And then the next verse, again, well, why? Well, that's part of the verse. And all the people, Paul quotes, we read earlier, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abram, I'm going to do something amazing in you. So Abram, he actually does it. Next verse, he's like, okay. So Abraham went, or Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, right? Because Lot's father was dead, so he brings Lot along with him. Now, here's the thing. I want you to try to make this a little more real for yourself. Again, what is this small step of faith that can result in a a gigantic blessing from God for you? Like, I really want you to think, because I don't know all the ins and outs of your story, but you do, and more importantly, God does. Like, what is he calling you to? What, What do you need to put down finally? So many of us carry around anxieties and weights that are never meant to be ours, and yet we carry them constantly. We carry hurts from when we were kids, things people said about us that define our whole lives, right? Anger and resentment, greed. We just carry these things around, and God's like, would you just put that down already? Well, I can't stop doing this. I can't stop this addiction. 
right? I can't stop watching porn. I can't stop eating. I can't stop smoking, drinking, doing drugs. Like all these things that have just come to consume my life. And God's like, well, I'll help you, but you may need to take some steps. Like you may need to actually do something. Now, like I said, God sometimes is going to meet us in little messy places without us. But often I find that God is waiting for us to take that little step first. Scripture says that God's word is a light unto my what? And a, right? It's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I mixed that up, sorry. Now, if you're smart, are you going to grab a light when it's pitch black and take off running down a path? You're going to result, that's going to hurt. Just FYI. Right? Because how far does the lamp get you? Little circle. I love that the psalmist puts it that way because it's like God's just, he's like, look, I'll show you that next step and then the next step and the next step. And we're like, well, Lord, I just need like headlights so I can see all the way down the path. Sometimes he doesn't give us that. Sometimes he's just saying, I need you to trust me in this. Maybe I need you just to go and ask for forgiveness. Just talking with somebody recently, and I said, maybe you just need to go and ask for forgiveness. Well, I couldn't. It's too long. That's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Maybe it's not too long. Maybe God just wants you to reach out and ask for forgiveness and restore that relationship. Again, I don't know your story, but you do, and so does God. So again, what little act of faith, what little step of faith is going to lead to a huge blessing? So, then you may say, well, Kyle, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through and what I deal with on a day-to-day basis. You just don't know the obstacles. It's easy to get up and say this, but you don't know my life. But again, God does, and I want you to see the rest of Abram's story. Abram had other things he had to get over, too. Obstacles. Look at this. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. So I'm going to follow God, who says he's going to make me into a great nation. I have no kids. I'm 75 years old. I am way too old for this promise. There's no way I'm going to do this. 75 years old. Are you kidding me, God? Right? And he even gets into that a little bit with God. Like, how am I going to have kids? I'm old and I'm married to an old lady. What are we going to do? Right? And so I know there's people, though, that think they're too young. They're too old. They're too inexperienced. They're uneducated. And on and on and on. But the beauty is the Bible is full of people that are too young and too old, too inexperienced, too uneducated, too lowly in society, without a voice, and yet they refuse to believe the lie that they were anything less than God said they were. You know what I'm saying? Like when God says, look, I just need you to take a step of faith and trust me. It's like, well, I don't know, Lord. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have the courage to do that or the strength or the wisdom. I'm not smart enough to do that. The disciples were known as being uneducated and unskilled men. And they lit the whole world on fire. Twelve ragamuffin dudes. Some of them probably teenagers. And they changed all of human history because they refused to believe the lie that the world said, you're not enough. You're not educated. You're not a religious elite. You're not, you're not, you're not. And God says, I don't care what the world says about you. How about you listen to my voice? So there's obstacle number one. One small step. Right? Huge blessing. So he takes his wife, Sarai, who eventually becomes Sarah. His nephew, Lot, and all the possessions he had accumulated. All the stuff, all the people, everything. You know, his whole crowd. He takes everybody with him, and they set out for Canaan. So here's the second leg of his journey. And we'll just leave this map up as I hit some of these other verses. So, up from Ur to Haran, all the way down to the Negev, Negev, where you'll see at the bottom there. Now, this is a thousand-mile journey on foot with a whole bunch of people, right? How many of you had struggles getting here this morning with just your kids? A thousand miles on foot, right, and then some animals, and he's got all these people with him and everything that he owns. 
So this is not just like no small thing for Abram. This is a major undertaking for him to be able to trust God. Right? So everybody. So then they come down to the land of Canaan, like you can see on the map. They're working down there toward the ocean. And Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem. Again, I know it's hard to see on these screens. I don't know if you can see that. At the Oak of Moray. Now, at the time, the Canaanites were in the land. So the Canaanites are brought back up because, again, they're going to be enemies of God. There's context here. But Shechem is cool, too. Yeah, I don't know how well you can see it, but it's down there in the green, if you can see that. Shechem comes up way later. Jesus, in John 4 in the New Testament, he meets this woman there who also was not enough, whose society also said was an outcast because of some of the sexual sins and mistakes that she had made in her life. And he sits down with this woman at the well and tells her everything that she'd ever done and explains to her who he is. Because one of Abram's descendants, Jacob, would build a well right there and that's where this woman was going in the heat of day because she wasn't allowed to go during the cool of the day because she was an outcast. So she had to go in the hottest part of the day. And Jesus is going to meet here right in this first stopping point of Abram. He's going to change not only this woman's life, but the lives of everybody in that village. Right? So never let the enemy, never let Satan, never let people tell you you're not enough because God would be like, no, watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. Right? So these people, we know their stories thousands of years later because they refuse to believe anything less than what God says about them. Taking a step of faith, right? Huge blessings from God. It's unbelievable what you see in some of these people. So, they come to the land of Canaan, they pass through there, and then the Lord appeared then after this as almost like a, an affirmation. And he says, look, to your offspring, I'm going to give this man that you're standing in. So it's like everything right here, verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this lamb. Everything in the rest of the Bible depends on God being truthful to this being faithful to this statement. It's no small thing. Everything else that happens and affects a lot of human history happens on God actually doing this and making him a nation. Right? God is the impossible kind of stuff. So, Abram, he builds an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. I love these kind of verses, and whenever I see these, I'm always reminded of the importance of my story. I love to share our stories with our kids. What God has done when somebody accepts Christ, when somebody gets set free from an addiction or an old like wound, like maybe unforgiveness or hatred or all this kind of stuff, I like to come home and share that stuff with my kids because those are little altars in my life that I want them to see because altars like this in the Old Testament were meant to be placed there, little piles of rocks, so that they wouldn't forget that God did something in that spot. What are your altars? You share them with each other. Like when God answers a prayer or He does something good, will you share that with somebody? Will you build an altar? Will you let people in your life know? Other Christians especially. Right? It's like, let's share those things. Because that's what Abraham is doing. He's like, I'm not going to forget this. So he builds the altar. And then from there, verse 8, he moves into the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And again, we're just moving further south is all we're doing. There, builds another altar to the Lord. And he called on the name of the Lord and Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. So he works his way all the way down into Egypt, but he calls on the name of the Lord. So he calls on Yahweh as a witness for Yahweh in the midst of his second obstacle. People already live there. God's like, this is going to be your land. And he's like, there's a lot of people here. It seems like they're like, they live here, right? And so what's that mean? And God's like, so obstacle number two. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to keep trusting because I don't even get to stay here. Notice he moves through Canaan. God's like, I'm going to give you this land. Now I just need you to keep moving south. And you're okay. And then later, you're going to see, he's like, oh, and by the way, this is going to be like 400 years before this promise comes to fruition. All right, well, 
thanks, I guess, right? Like, you know, so, again, he's not ever going to see even close to the promise. He's just like, moving through, and there's other things we'll see as our story goes on in later weeks about this. But, man, just the faith of him. Because I want you to, like, what I would love for you to see this morning is this story about him is so enduring. Again, it's 4,000 years old. We know the world that Abraham lived in, and yet we're still talking about it. Not just because of Abraham, though. It's because God was actually faithful to what he said to Abraham. He said, I just need you to take a little step. You're not going to do all this. There's no way you could do all this yourself. But I want you to take a little step of faith, and I want you to see what I do with it. I love hearing stories from this church of people taking those little steps and being like, I just never thought God would do that. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's the kind of power I love to see in people's lives. So again, I don't know where this statement lands in your life. I don't know what obstacles in your life. But like I said, I know you do. But most importantly, I know God does. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of people I love and care for. And I want that more than anything for you. To see the truth of these stories, not just as fairy tales, but reality that came to fruition in real human history. There are Jews today because God was actually faithful to this promise that he made to Abram. Right? I mean, that's, that's wild. So can he heal your broken relationships? Can he heal you? Can he help you stop something? Can he show you something? Can he give you courage to do something? Yes. 100%. He can. But you might need to take a little step of faith. Just maybe. So let me pray. Lord, I just pray whatever our steps are today, uh, God, you know what those are. And I hope that you show us what they are, Lord, because we're all going to come to this crossroads at all different times of our lives. We're all going to feel less than. We're all going to feel doubtful. We're all going to feel worried about a choice, not making it right, whatever the thing might be. God, would you just be faithful to us, Lord, and just the little, little steps that we take, Jesus, would you show up there? And Lord, again, I pray for those of us that don't yet know this kind of love, that don't yet know this kind of belonging, and haven't taken a step to accept you as Christ, Lord. I pray today is going to be the day of salvation. God, would you stir, if somebody's not there, to accept you today as their personal Savior? For those of us that know you, Lord, help us to lean into you more and more and more, to bring more and more and more to you, to lean into your community, Jesus, and watch what you do. And I pray that in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, that's all we got for today. It's great seeing you guys. Love you all. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.